Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And let them know the nerd sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Nerds, it's time to suit up or shut up. Launching badass rockabilly track. ANS protocol is active. Now making an MCU cameo. Time to save the world with some wrestling, video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. So, all right, we finally dug ourselves out of the blizzard that dumped 12 inches of snow on Chicago this week. And now that we're thawed out, we're ready to bring you some high-quality nerdy content. On the show, we've got a review for the new Denzel Washington crime drama, The Little Things. We're also doing our weekly episode breakdown for WandaVision. And we'll discuss this past weekend's Royal Rumble. That's right, and Christian's Corner will be, you know, taking a look at where consoles are today. As well as giving you an update on the streaming side of the Amazing Dirt Show. Alright, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a 5-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show but we'll send you some amazing nerd show swag let's get into the news every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum we're not mild-mannered reporters we're mere podcasters with opinions all right first up black panther kingdom of wakanda series coming to disney plus that's right it looks like black panther is getting its own spin-off series with the insanely talented ryan coogler attached this is part of a five-year deal between his proximity media company and Disney. Kugler has released a statement saying it's an honor to be partnering with the Walt Disney Company. Working with them on Black Panther was a dream come true. As avid consumers of television, we couldn't be happier to be launching our television business with Bob Iger, Dana Walding, and all the amazing studios under the Disney umbrella. He also stated we are especially excited that we will be taking our first leap with Kevin Foggy, Luis Dieposito, Victoria Alonso, and their partners at Marvel Studios, where we'll be working closely with them on select MCU shows for Disney+. We're already in the mix for some projects that we can't wait to share. So definitely seems like he'll be working on other projects than Black Panther. Uh, but with Black Panther's spinoff, I wonder if this is going to be like an anthology series, um, exploring different stories and characters in Wakanda. Or is this going to be like a solo series for an already established character um, like M'Baku? Um, that's just a character that I would love to see explored further. Uh, but anyway, so Christian, what characters outside of Wakanda, you know, in the Marvel Universe, would you like to see Ryan Coogler tackle? Well, you know, with everything that we got with, um, you know, Killmonger and, you know, even seeing interactions between 
uh, Black Panther and his little sister. For some reason, I get the feeling he would be good with, you know, Miles' Spider-Man and Harlem with all of his friends and stuff like that. I feel like he would be able to write some good interactions between them all or handle that group in general. No, I agree. Absolutely. And I'm kind of thinking about what he did with, like, Creed. Um, I'd like to see him tackle, you know, like a different part of the Marvel Universe, like Hell's Kitchen. Um, you know, give him, like, characters like Daredevil or Luke Cage. Um, you know, Miles would be an awesome character, too, though. Um, you know, or even like Jessica Jones, um, you know, I, I, maybe I'm just jonesing for, you know, the Netflix series, <laughs> but, um, I'd like to see him kind of like tackle the edgier characters, I guess. All right. Up next, it looks like Falcon and Winter Soldier recruit another Avenger to the cast. That's right. Don Cheeto revealed this week that he'll be making a guest appearance on the series as War Machine. So in an interview, uh, he said, that's some of the fun of the MCU, that we all get to show up in each other's stories. And there are ways that we can cross-platform these characters and that they can become storylines and sometimes um, even into movies. And then these stories in the movies become storylines <laughs> in the shows. Okay, fine. I, I think I get what he's trying to say. Um, but anyway, uh, we didn't get any further details on how he would fit into Falcon and Bucky's storyline. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I feel like I understand what he's trying to get with, with that. Like, I feel like in his eyes, maybe like a throwaway line in a movie could also just lead to a storyline in a show. Maybe that's what he was going for. Yeah. With that, but... Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a quote from a podcast, so it probably uh -huh. didn't really transcribe very well, I'm guessing. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it sounds like he's just saying, like, now that, you know, the films can feed the television product and the television product can feed the shows. So you're just going to have a lot of different crossovers happening um, in, cool. a, in a run about way, I guess. <laughs> Uh -huh. So, um, but yeah, I'm not really surprised to see, you know, War Machine show up since he does work for the government. Um, mm -hmm. It only makes sense with this storyline, um, with there being like a government issue, Captain America out there, that they would have some kind of interaction, you know, with Rhodey. No, oh, yeah, um, I, I kind of expected him or at least characters on his level to show up within this series so that's i mean that was my expectations for it yeah i, I have a feeling we'll probably actually get a, a few more characters popping up here and there cool. Cool. alert intercepting breaking news well this just in illuminati is indicating that willem dafoe who played as green goblin for sam raimi's spider-man may be returning in the role for the mcu spider-man 3. now while i speculate this will just be a multiverse cameo um, it is exciting to see the prospects of Osborn showing up in the MCU. And as we saw with J. Jonah Jameson, it is possible to see old actors return in the MCU. Defoe is a great actor, and I personally have no problem with him reprising his role as the Green Goblin. But, you know, stay tuned to The Amazing Nerd Show as we hope to see confirmations in the near future. Now, back to the show. All right, up next, Chloe Zhao to write and direct a new take on Dracula for Universal. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Chloe Zhao of Nomadland and the upcoming MCU film The Eternals will be writing and directing a new take on Dracula, described as an original futuristic sci-fi western. Okay, um, well, <laughs> well, I'm excited for, you know, someone as ultra-talented as Chloe to be working on, like, one of my favorite film characters of all time. Um, I gotta admit, like, I cringe, like, while reading that. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, it just, I don't know, it sounds awful to me, but I'm gonna try to keep an open mind because I did love what they did with The Invisible Man. 
Um, I think my problem is, like, for some reason, Hollywood seems to be just completely obsessed with putting a new spin on this character. But, like, my problem is, uh-huh. like, <laughs> when was the last time we had, like, a straight, like, retelling of the classic story? I feel like it's, like, been 30 years since, like, you know, Francis Ford Coppola's, like, Dracula. That we got, like, a straight, like, you know, Dracula film. Um, they just keep on trying to, like, update it. Uh, you know, the story, for some reason, with, like, a new gimmick every, like, you know, five or six years. But, I mean, here's the thing, like, nothing's wrong with the original. It's not like we're getting, like, a retelling in, you know, a classic way of the, you know, original film, you know, every year or something. So, like, at this point, I think it'd be more of a novelty to just play it straight <laughs> you know like i want my dracula gothic as fuck filled with like dark castles and bats and shit like i mean it's not fucking broken like i get like why you want to update some of these characters but i just don't feel like dracula needs it but mm-hmm. i'm gonna take a deep breath because <laughs> um, like i said she's ultra talented and like i want it to be awesome but that just sounds like a horrible synopsis to me. Like <laughs> a sci-fi Western classic. It's going to be fantastic now that I'm, you know, bitching <laughs> about it. I also know that Blumhouse is working on their own version of, you know, Dracula with Karen Kusama, who's, you know, also incredibly talented. She did the invitation mm-hmm. in Jennifer's body. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm just happy that this character is going to get another run at it, but I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> just give me a no, fucking straight you. retelling of the story. Like, I, I like I said, that, I feel like that will be the novelty now. Like, because we we get you know Dracula in the future. Even the uh, Netflix show did that. Like, we got like the first you know part of the season was like in the past, and then all of a sudden, for some reason, we had to jump to like present day. Exactly. I mean, it it just. <sighs> I feel like if we were to get a like modern take on the original story, I think we could do some real cool stuff with it. That's what I really want to see no, on the big screen. No, possible, I don't want but... to see a modern take. Are you talking about modern day? No, 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 no. I'm talking about like with like modern effects and stuff like that. I'm not talking about still gothic okay. and still back then. But... <laughs> I can I can feel my blood pressure. Like yes <laughs> like you son of a bitch you're with them no 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 i like i was with you with the bbc series and i think i was even more upset when we got to the end of that series yeah. and we were in the future and it was it was a mess i mean i i have no problem with the concept of like a cyberpunk you know a gothic cyberpunk dracula but beyond that i don't know i think i'd be more okay with it if we've had a bunch of like you know retellings of the original story you know straight uh, on film like you know recently but we haven't had that in a long mm-hmm. time it feels like um so that's why i'm like okay come on like we did what was it dracula 2000 right and that got like multiple sequels and then there was a weird uh, like cgi <laughs> dracula like or van helsing i don't know man don't forget um universal's first try with dracula yes Untold. yes whatever which was pretty much the castlevania storyline but they just decided to call it dracula untold yeah like we don't have to make it a fucking video game you know Uh you know throwing all these different creatures in all this fucking cgi bullshit in you know i mean honestly like francis ford coppola's dracula say what you want about it but it's it's pretty fucking underrated 
I mean, my only qualm with it is Keanu Reeves' fucking performance in the damn thing. So, uh, I know he's redeemed himself recently, but Jesus Christ, he almost ruined that, like, film single-handedly. Um, you know, with him just, I don't know, for some reason not being able to pull off an accent. Uh, but, I don't know. Like, he was still playing fucking Bill for some reason in the middle uh-huh. of this gothic setting. <laughs> so, <Whoa. yeah. laughs> Just horrible. Uh, <laughs> But it's still a fantastic movie. But uh, anyway, I mean, I hope this is great. I know I just shit all over it, but I hope this is great. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, we also have the Golden Globe nominations announced this week. So, yeah, not much nomination wise that's really on brand for the show um, for us to talk about. But we did get nominations in the best television drama category uh, for The Mandalorian, Lovecraft Country and Ratched. Uh, also, uh, Promising Young Woman, which was a film that we reviewed a couple weeks back, got nominated for a slew of awards, including Best Picture and Best Actress for Carrie Mulligan, which is really well-deserved. You know, I'm pretty surprised that there aren't any, like, performance, you know, awards going to Lovecraft Country because, I mean, man, some of the journeys they go on in that show and the, the amount of stuff they have to at least pretend that's happening to them as actors, I mean, I thought was phenomenal by the end but i am happy to see you know you know all the love we're getting for like mandalorian and lovecraft country and ratchet i thought those were all great series last year and it's good to see you know some some nerdiness get you know fucking nominated for once you know yeah i mean fuck the golden globe so right (laughs) (laughs) i know they say it's like a barometer for the oscars or whatever but i don't know i don't feel like that's really the case anymore it doesn't even seem like the actors take them take them very seriously uh-huh. <laughs> so um you know i don't know I, I mean you're right i'm glad that they're you know shows that we enjoyed got like nominated but like i i can't believe the boys didn't get nominated no yeah. you know i mean i guess it's kind of hard to put that show into like a category i guess that would be like i guess best comedy would you go comedy because i don't feel like best television drama really fits it right no, but I mean, last season alone, the, the drama was definitely ranked up. Yes, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. So, but yeah, no, I, I, the Emmys are where it's at, man. Fuck the Globes. Yeah. <laughs> Get shit on. Uh, well. All right. <laughs> All right, let's talk the latest episode of WandaVision. Alert. WandaVision spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Monica, uh, you okay? It's Wanda. It's all Wanda. So this episode, I think, is the episode we've all been kind of waiting for. Uh, they finally framed the series so we have some context for exactly what the hell we're witnessing here. Uh, and we start things off in really, like, unexpected fashion. Uh, you know, with the aftermath of the Hulk snapping everyone back. We lost during the blip, um, you know, mm-hmm. just back to existence. Uh, we actually see Monica reform in front of our very eyes as she's sitting there waiting for her mother to come back from surgery. Um, you know, she finds out in heartbreaking fashion, like throughout all this like chaos of the whole situation with everyone returning, that um, her mother's actually passed away, even though her surgery was successful. Um, you know, she went into remission like three years later and, you yeah. know, she's gone. Um, just a really horrible situation. Um, 
And I love just seeing like everyone like reforming in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't expect them to go down that route. No, but I think I really wanted this to happen. I think I wanted to see something like this in the MCU in general, because what we got with Far From Home, you know, it just wasn't as wrenching as this was. You know, this was definitely more like the chaos of what was going on. I wanted to see that, what it kind of looked like for them. And I I think it was lucky for Monica as well to at least have been in a state of like sleeping when this happened to her, because like a lot of people actually watched others like actually dusting in front of them before they dusted themselves. Yeah, no, it's crazy. So we go on to find out that Monica not only like works for Sword, but her mother actually is like the founder. Um, when Monica goes back to work three weeks later, she discovers that she's been grounded uh, due to a protocol that her mother's like put in place for her eventual return. Um, which is, I think it was a nice touch that, you know, mm. her mother believed that she was going to come back someday. And you got to think that she was doing everything in her power to like find a way to bring everyone back i'm guessing it also seems like through her interaction with the guy who's in charge and i can't think of his name off the top of my head that she might have actually taken over if she was around when her mom passed away i don't mm. know if you got that vibe but you know like she he mentions like there was no one else around you know? <laughs> gotcha yeah so i i'm not sure you know maybe i'm wrong but anyway she sent off to assist the fbi investigating a weird occurrence in the new jersey town uh westview uh, where we know Vision and Wanda are located currently. So uh, this is when we get the introduction of Jimmy Woo, who finally mastered the card trick that Scott yes. taught him in Ant-Man. <laughs> I thought that was a really nice little touch they threw in there. Um, I didn't even catch it first time. I saw people posting it online. I was like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's the only thing I remember from Ant-Man too. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but he explains that, you know, the town has just disappeared um, something that the FBI became aware of because uh, of a person that they have in witness protection, like living there. I'm wondering mm. if that's going to come into play later on. Uh, the police all seem to have amnesia and they don't even recall the town ever existing. They say that they're police of Eastview, which I thought was funny since they're like standing right in front of the Westview sign. Um, yes. When Monica and Jimmy investigate further, they discover some sort of force barrier and Monica is just sucked directly in. Um, this brings in a unified effort between like S.W.O.R.D. and the FBI to figure out what the hell's going on. They bring in different experts of all different scientific fields, um, including Darcy um, from the Thor movies. She, of course, discovers that uh, the area is generating some kind of weird TV frequency. And once uh, some of the agents get her this old like tube TV, she finds out the, the frequency is actually a weird television series starring Vision and Scarlet Witch. Um, how or why they have no clue but the tv allows them to monitor uh what's going on in this like pocket reality uh we get to see the moment when they're trying to actually reach out to wanda through the radio um it was jimmy woo trying to you know get in touch with her somehow um we also get a little more of what happened between wanda and monica as we find out that she's now on the show along with other residents there and they actually have a board with like the residents named and like what role they're starring in uh then uh we also get a little more detail of what happened between monica and wanda uh when the camera's actually off um we see between the glitches um finally um darcy notices the glitches are happening but they can't see what exactly is going on they just know it's something weird and you know somehow the show's being censored 
Um, hmm. But we also see Wanda just force Monica out of the reality. So that's something that we didn't see last episode. You know, she basically, you know, goes through the fourth wall. Then we get the moment from last episode with Sword, like, recovering her. And she goes on to tell him that it was all Wanda's doing. Um, also, Jesus Christ, we get a truly fucking terrifying moment where Wanda sees the dead corpse of Vision standing in front of her from Infinity War for just a brief, like, moment. Uh, so I thought this was an awesome episode. I don't know how you felt about it. No, I, I definitely didn't expect anything like this based off of what we had seen before. Like, I knew we were going to get more of an explanation as we went on, but I didn't think they were going to, like, kind of try to, you know, scope it in a way where we know everything from the outside in one episode. Like, I didn't know they were going to dedicate the entire episode to that. But at the same time, I loved it. I loved what getting from everything from the side of Monica, like, you know, not understanding what she was getting into and kind of like almost walking into it and then, then getting sucked in. There's little elements where it's like um, they try to remember the beekeeper moments um, that from the previous episode. That's right. We got to see that guy going in and like seeing how his suit changed. Yeah. Everything. The effects there were awesome. Too, he was but, in like um, a hazmat suit and then all of a yeah. sudden it changed into a beekeeper suit. And then mm. the toe line that's holding him turns into a jump rope. Yeah, those like uh, retractable jump ropes mm -hmm. that they used to have. Yeah, just some really nice touches. Really just giving us answers to all those weird little quirky moments we had in the first like three episodes. Now, Damon, are you still convinced that it is just Wanda? So I'm going to say yes and no. Because <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of like in a gray area where, you know, Wanda's definitely controlling a certain amount of what's happening. But I feel like maybe she's being influenced. I feel like the fact that Monica like has openly said, oh, it's all Wanda, means that it's probably not all Wanda. And, yes. <laughs> and I might be reading into things, but there's, I don't know, there's that moment where Jimmy talks about, you know, having someone in the witness protection program in the town. So I felt like that was such a throwaway line that, you know, it was actually a clue. <laughs> Hmm. And I might just be reading some things. I don't know. But I'm wondering if there's someone someone else in the town that's influencing her, like maybe Agnes. You know, someone that we thought of all along. I mean, her name wasn't on that board that they had where they were matching up, like, the different residents to different characters huh. on the show. She wasn't on there. I didn't notice that. Yeah. So, And I only noticed that because of, you know, the million videos that, you know, Easter egg yes. videos. <laughs> so, because I didn't really get a good glimpse of it while the show was going on. I'm wondering if it's kind of a situation where, yeah, it's Wanda, but she's somehow being influenced into acting out this way. Like, it's all her power. It's all her doing. Uh -huh. But something's driving her even more insane. Well, hell, I would almost like it if it was like, it was a deal she made with Mephisto or something. Yeah. Where, like, you know, you can have your dream life, but, you know, well, maybe, it comes at a cost. Well, maybe... You know, the neighbor being called Agnes was kind of a red herring mm. and that she's actually Mephisto. That's possible, too, because I feel like that's the easy tie in for Doctor Strange and how it would continue on with his storyline. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. And there's so many different routes that they could go. It definitely feels like she knows more than the other characters um, that she's, I don't know, more involved than you know we're being let on to and i do have to say that uh that moment with vision definitely actually caught me off guard and freaked me out a little bit <laughs> well here's the thing though right mm -hmm. like would they only be reaching out to sword 
and I know it was one episode. It was just three weeks, like, after the mm-hmm. blip and everything like that. But don't you think that they would be calling, you know, some of the Avengers in <laughs> at this point? Especially if it's yeah, Wanda probably. and Vision mm-hmm. involved here. So and, and we've already been teased, you know, multiple times that, you know, other characters might be popping up here and there. But I'm guessing we're going to get some Avengers at some point. Probably, I'm, It's got to be Mark Ruffalo, right, at this point? Because who else dealt with that at the time? You know, who else knew the science behind the interdimensional travel and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, we don't necessarily know what condition he's in after, you know, snapping hmm. everyone back. I know he was kind of injured. Um, we do see him at the funeral, though. I don't know how many, like, weeks or months, you know, afterwards, everything that was. Um, I could definitely see, like, Doctor Strange being called in. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Or even Captain Marvel, since Monica's like involved, right? True. Anyway, I think this was the best episode yet. Um, I'm like a hundred percent invested, and the week long wait just kills me now. Um, I can't wait to see how this series ends, honestly, because I think it's gonna be fucking tragic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fucked up like that. <laughs> well, and I'll love it even more if it is. We got problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, Damon, you watched a movie this week. That's right. I saw a film on HBO Max called The Little Things. You know him, didn't you? Then you had that one little feeling. But you waved it away. You should have listened to that one little feeling. Just like I'm listening to you now. You can talk to me. I'm all a friend you got. Deputy Joe Deacon is sent to Los Angeles for what should have been a quick evidence gathering assignment. Instead, he becomes embroiled in the search for a serial killer who is terrorizing the city. This was written and directed by John Lee Hancock and stars Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto. So when I heard about the little things, I was sold before knowing the plot solely based on the cast of Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto. They're the kind of actors who could sit around reading the phone book and make it feel fucking riveting. And while they come close to pulling off just that with this film, they unfortunately fall short. Um, Washington plays Deacon, or Deke, a former LA detective whose obsession with a case and a dark secret takes a toll on him in his life. So he now works as a small county deputy. Uh, While he's back at his old stomping ground picking up evidence, a young upstart detective, played by Rami Malek, uh, catches his eye because he's working a similar case to the one that still haunts Washington. This leads to Deke eventually teaming up with the young detective and targeting a suspect, Albert, played by Jared Leto, doing his weird psycho meth head Jesus thing. (laughs) Uh, The rest of this neo-noir thriller is a cerebral game of cat and mouse between the detectives and Albert. Now, I'm a sucker for a gritty crime drama. And while for the most part, the little things did keep me engaged for the two-hour runtime, Um, My issues comes down to it bringing nothing really new to the table. It feels almost too familiar in a way. I mean, we've seen this film a hundred different times in a hundred different ways, which is fine. And with, but with the cast like this, it feels like a lost opportunity. I mean, stop if you've heard this before. A grizzled veteran and a star detective team up to hunt an eccentric serial killer. It's a tried and true formula, don't get me wrong. 
But what can make a film like this stand out is when, you know, a talented filmmaker adds a new wrinkle. Um, and with a cast this caliber, it really shouldn't be that difficult to do. I mean, but the film just never really lives up to its potential. I mean, there are sparks of greatness, and it's not a bad movie by any means. I love the atmosphere, I love the somber tone, and I even like appreciate the ambiguous ending, which I can see a lot of people having issues with. Um, I also think when the three stars are like share a room together, I mean, the film really shines, and you're reminded how talented these people are. But the rest of the movie just feels like another episode of a run-of-the-mill, like, crime procedural show. Or a subpar episode of True Detective. You know, something from, like, season two. <laughs> um, there's just not enough, like, twists and turns or suspense while they search for the killer. I mean, maybe if we saw some of these crimes being acted out, um, or a few red herrings. You know, something that just, like adds tension and keeps you guessing. Instead, like, especially through the second act, we just tread water, which just, you know, makes it unfortunate because it makes the film feel completely forgettable. I mean, really what it reminds me of is one of those like lazy Sunday afternoon films that you catch while flipping through the channels um, that, you know, keep you engaged solely based on like the natural charisma of its star performers. Um, which is sad because it could have been so much more. Well, all right, Damien, what grade would you give this? So I'm going to give this film a C. Like I said, it isn't a bad film. It's just not the great film you would expect from a cast with this, like, pedigree. Uh, if they would have invested more in the chase instead of, like, drawn-out scenes of these, you know, brooding detectives pondering their existence, maybe it could have reached those heights. But frustratingly, it just doesn't get there. All right, a special thank you to this week's sponsor, TurboDebt. Do you ever feel like no matter how hard you work, you just can't seem to get ahead? Do you live paycheck to paycheck with no money in the bank? And that's what the banks want. They want to keep you in debt. They only make money when you're paying interest. Sadly, 70% of Americans die with credit card debt or no money in the bank. But that's where this week's sponsor swoops in to save the day. TuroDebt helps with credit cards, personal loans, payday loans, and medical debt. They will help end the endless cycle of debt so you can start investing in your future. If you have over 10 grand in debt, make sure to head over to TurboDebt.com nerd and make sure to type nerd in all caps for a free consultation. It's been a difficult year for everyone. Let TurboDebt work with you towards a debt-free life. That's right. Head over to TurboDebt.com slash capital N, capital E, capital R, capital D. That's nerd in all caps for free consultation. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. It's time for Christian's Corner. So it's 2021, and last year we saw the launch of the next generation of gaming consoles, and I wanted to give a short update on where they are today. In the past, getting a console day one or within the first month could be a challenge, but not impossible. But in the three months since the launch of the Xbox Series X and the PS5, shortages have continued to plague anyone's hope of picking up the future of gaming consoles. On top of that, we have continued to see scalpers buy up all the available consoles to sell them at higher prices. 
But news keeps getting worse, as now there may be even bigger parts shortages, um, stopping next-gen consoles from even being produced. Sony spokesmen in particular have come out stating that um, there are a shortage on semiconductors due to the current global climate. This will lead to AMD not being able to make new chips vital for consoles. Microsoft originally believed that consoles would be able to meet the demand starting in April or so. But due to part shortages, it's looking like both Xbox and PlayStation production may be stifled into the summer. While this may suck for you know, those wanting to pick up a next-gen console, and we're kind of hoping that all the scalper madness would have blown over already, like I personally did, um, it may be until like 2022 that console sales begin to like normalize again. Um, we will see if they can even meet demand by this year's holiday season. On the bright side, not many new games are out that even really take advantage of either console's upgraded power, as is common, you know, within the first year of a next-gen, you know, release. So maybe waiting is what's best for all consumers. I know that I am still currently planning to get one, you know, during summer, but we will see if that's, you know, like even possible. Um, speaking of my future with gaming, I recently announced on the streaming Twitter um, for our show, which is at Amazing Nerd Live, um, that I'll be adding two additional stream days starting next week, as well as taking a break this week to make changes to the channel. Um, I'm looking to start at a, you know, kind of like a uniform time of 12 noon, Thursday through Sunday. I'm usually going for about three hours or more, depending on the day. Um, I have personally, you know, enjoyed streaming on Twitch for our fans and new fans, and I'm looking to expand on that. Uh, with more time going, you know, to streaming, there will be, you know, less uploads on YouTube, but knowing me, there will still be a fair amount of content either way. Um, this upcoming week on the stream, we will be completing um, the PS2 classic Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, as well as continuing Scott Pilgrim. Um, we will also be adding another blast from my past as I attempt to beat True Crime Streets of LA for the first time on GameCube. Um, as a kid, I could not beat that final fucking boss, um, and it still haunts me to this day. Uh, we're going guns blazing, though. We're gonna fucking take him out off that the tower of that fucking building and finally win. Uh, <laughs> and of course, um, there might be some games with friends starting back up as well, so make sure that you are following The Amazing Nerd Show on Twitch to get all our gaming content. Now, let's move on to wrestling. WWE, <laughs> Miss Bianca Belair. Yeah. You did it. It's crazy, you know, like I literally, this is a dream that I did not know was a dream until it became a reality. And it's, it's crazy that like everything that I did all throughout life, all the sports I played, everything that I've been through, it all came together for me to be in WWE. And tonight it's just like, I, I proved that I belong here and I, I, I can't see myself doing anything other than this. I love WWE. I love what I do, and it's it, it's amazing that every all my athletic ability and everything I've been through it all folded into tonight, and it all came together tonight. And now I'm going to WrestleMania. Yes, you are. Best you are going to WrestleMania. All right, Christian. The road to WrestleMania is finally here. This past weekend, we had the Royal Rumble. So let me hear your overall thoughts well damon i did actually enjoy royal rumble this year for the most part um you know i i thought there was a lot of solid matches um i even watched the pre-show this year and i actually enjoyed what we got from nia Jax, Shayna baszler and oscar and charlotte for the most part yeah i missed the pre the pre-show completely i thought that match was going to be on the main card mm. so i was a little annoyed especially since we have like a 25 minute intermission for some reason 
in the middle of the yes. Royal Rumble. I was like, why couldn't you fit this 10 minute match like during that slot? And then at the end, it felt like they were rushing for some reason. So I have no clue what the hell was going on or what that was about. Like, did we really need to like our truth segments on, on the Rumble? No. Like, <laughs> but anyway, I agree with you completely. I actually really enjoyed the Rumble this year. Um, I thought it did a great job of just setting up WrestleMania season. And I'm actually looking forward to that show now. Yes. Um, well, like I said, with the pre-show, um, we had gotten Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defeating the Invincible Asuka and Charlotte team. Um, and, you know, it was there was something definitely missing from both teams. Like I did like on their own, the moments that they had when it was just, you know, regular singles competition seemed great. Mm-hmm. But whenever it came to any like like tag team play or stuff like that, it was kind of off. Like, I don't know if they just weren't clicking um, as teams or what. I will say, like, watching Raw on a regular basis, it, uh-huh. it's, both teams don't have much chemistry together. Gotcha. So I think that's probably what you're witnessing firsthand. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I'm glad the belts are off Asuka and Charlotte. Um, yes. I don't know where they're going or why they even bothered doing that. I mean, I guess it was just a way to have a little surprise and a way for Charlotte to come back. Um, mm-hmm. But it just felt like it was doomed for failure from the get-go. Um, I was really expecting Charlotte to turn on Asuka somewhere, but then it exactly. seems like they got the idea of, you know, including um, Lacey Evans in the mix, and that kind of derailed yes. everything, that storyline. <laughs> and now Asuka's just kind of like, I don't know, left out there dwindling with nothing to do. So hopefully, with, you know, WrestleMania season being here, they find her, like, uh, they find her a worthy opponent. And speaking of Lacey, she was a big part of the finish of this match as well. Pretty much another big distraction moment. Um, almost you know, getting her hands on her, on Charlotte in the match, which the ref could clearly see uh, and just ignored it. Lately on like, <laughs> Raw and SmackDown, they've been really skittish the way that they're handling like um, outside interference. It's weird. Like, it, like, you know, during tag team matches... You can have your teammate break up a pin or a submission. Yeah. That's normal. But you can't do that during single matches. You know, like they they'll have a singles <laughs> match and like you know, their partners out there, you know, at ringside with them, and you'll have a moment where they trip, you know, their partner's opponent or something like that. And the ref will clearly see it and it won't be a disqualification for some reason. Or they'll put, you know, their partner's foot on the rope during a pin, you know, and that that's mm. not like, you know, instantly like a disqualification or, you know, sending that person in the back. So I don't know. They're getting a little kind of flimsy with the rules here and there, which I think is funny well, because usually, you know, everyone from WWE is always like, oh, you've got to follow the rules. You can't make the ref look stupid. And <laughs> that seems like the rule book's been kind of thrown out the window lately when it's when it's convenient i mean exactly i i mean not to get too ahead of myself but like reginald in the sashi banks versus carmella match gets kicked out for very little compared to what i've been seeing from others oh yeah because sasha so. slaps him right and the ref <laughs> yeah. sees that and he throws uh reginald out yeah well, like what <laughs> so i guess they could play it as you know it's up to the refs like discretion what they do sure. but still i mean there has to be some kind of consistency here uh-huh. So I mean I and I and I think that with AEW or New Japan also. So mm-hmm. uh but anyway, that's neither here nor there. 
You enjoyed the match. I didn't see the match. I know Lacey ends up hitting Charlotte with brass knuckles, and then Nia gets the Yes, and Ref could definitely see what was happening. But <laughs> it's whatever. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> let's get into the actual start of the card, which was Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg. Drew retaining the WWE Championship. Well, first of all, thank God for that. Um, cause yes. <laughs> I, there was a little part of me that feared that Drew would end up losing to Goldberg just to get him on the road to WrestleMania and part of that, you know, event. Um, but I'm glad that we just got kind of like, you know, the signature Goldberg special nowadays, you know, two and a half minutes, spear, spear, jackhammer. And then, you know, Drew went ahead and he did, you know, the, uh, Claymore kick in a, a couple times. Right. And that was it. Um, yes. so I don't know. No harm, no foul, I guess, <laughs> but whatever. I mean, it is what it is. I, I, I kind of wish this spot would have gone to someone else, um, but I understand McMahon wanting to have a big name on the card. Um, hopefully this is the last we see of Goldberg for a while, though. Oh, it's not, but... <laughs> you think they'll bring him back soon? Or do you... I, like, I'm, I'm guessing it'll oh, probably okay, be like well, another year or so before we see Goldberg, or six months at least. Yeah, sure. I, I would say four to six months tops. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess if they start doing Saudi shows again, they'll bring back Goldberg. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, but uh, what do we have next? Up next, we have Sasha Banks versus Carmella. Sasha Banks retaining her championship as well. This was decent. I don't think this was as good as their last match together. Um, I'm seeing growth with Carmella. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like she's, I don't know, understanding ring psychology a little more. It's not just super kick, super kick, super kick. I mean, mind yes. you, she's in the ring with Sasha Banks. Um, she scared the shit out of me with that fucking dive, though. Yeah, she, <laughs> she got up like a champ. <laughs> well, you 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 saw like Sasha actually like check on her, briefly, yes, right? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, she gives her a little squeeze. Uh, but yeah, no, because she lands straight on her fucking head. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, it was a decent match. Um, you know, and I'm glad to see Carmella improving. Uh, it it is what it is, though. It, it just felt like you know an unnecessary like obstacle on the way to like you know WrestleMania. Um, you know, I didn't feel like. Carmella was in any way a real threat to Sasha, especially since we saw Sasha beat her like last pay-per-view. Yes. So it, it it just felt like they could have had another contender for Sasha here. You know, I don't know why they went back to Carmella. There wasn't really a lot of heat between the two after the way the last match ended, but whatever. I mean, I just hope <laughs> to see other women getting opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't re- exactly remember how the last pay-per-view match between the two of them went, so I was still pretty much impressed with Carmella throughout this match, but, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely think we have a big roster filled with great women. Give someone else an opportunity, even if it's just a road stop, you know, in Sasha's storyline, why not? Yeah, just give someone another shot so you're, like, at least elevating, you know, more talent. Well, speaking of elevating a talent, we had the 30-woman Royal Rumble match, with Bianca Belair getting her ticket to WrestleMania. All right, Christian, what did you think of this match? Um, you know, there was there's definitely moments in the beginning where I was definitely, you know, it was moving a little too slow for me. And then when we got, you know, 13 women pretty much in the ring, I was like, okay, who's the big person coming out to clear it out and stuff like that? And then we got Rhea Ripley and, you know, she cleaned house pretty much. So uh, everything from, I think, when Rhea Ripley shows up and beyond, I thought was booked great. I really loved everything we got with that afterwards. But everything pre, 
was a little too slow for my liking, but I enjoyed the the finish of the match as well. So I mean, I can't complain. You know, I I think for me it wasn't slow. It was just really I don't know. It was just kind of clunky. It just didn't feel like anyone had any chemistry in there, and they were just kind of going through the motions. Um, you know, it was super formulaic with you know whoever you know came down the ramp got their spotlight, um, and then just kind of faded in the background. Um. It just felt like everyone else had no real direction in that ring and were just kind mm-hmm. of like going through the motions. Um, but things definitely picked up when, you know, Ripley came down. Um, you know, we could see the storyline starting to form. I was really disappointed, though, that Bailey didn't make it into the final four. I felt like she deserved that at least, um, especially with everything that she's done for, you know, the women's division over the last like year and a half. Um, and it felt like they were going that direction with her being like, I think she was either number one or number two, not that that matters, but it felt like, you know, she was gonna, you know, spend a lot of time and be the workhorse of the match. Um, oh yeah. And then um, she, she was, yeah. And then one. she gets eliminated and they don't even catch mm-hmm. it on camera. They had to go back and show us a highlight of it afterwards. So it just felt like the timing was off or something like that. Um, I thought it would have just meant more to the storyline, especially, you know, um, with Bianca Belair because she's been feuding with Bailey for her to be in there like at least you know towards the end. Um, but anyway, yeah, I I I love the ending of the match. I love what they did with like having Charlotte, um, you know, be one of the final three. Um, really like playing to everyone's you know I know expectations of Charlotte possibly winning the match. Um, using that against everyone because everyone was terrified that Charlotte might actually win the match. Uh-huh. Um, but then having it come down to Ripley and Bianca Belair, I thought that was a real nice touch. I thought Bianca was more than deserving. Um, I hope that Ripley, though, gets her moment in the sun also. Whoever Bianca ends up, you know, not going against, I hope, you know, Ripley ends up getting that shot. I don't know if that means maybe Charlotte ends up beating Asuka for the title. And then you get a rematch from, you know, last WrestleMania with like Ripley and Charlotte with Ripley finally overcoming, you know, the queen, if you will. That's what I figured. Um, but I would love to see Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks at Mania. I think that would be a good No, I match. feel like that's definitely happening. I feel like Bianca is going to stay on SmackDown. I feel like it's going to be Bianca versus Sasha. And then I'm hoping that we get Ripley versus Charlotte, you know, for the title. Nothing against Asuka. It just doesn't feel like... They have many plans for her right now. You know, and I feel like the perfect match for, you know, Ripley, you know, to, you know, win the title again mm-hmm. would be Charlotte. And you could kind of have this nice storyline of, you know, the new era of, you know, the women's division happening, you know, at WrestleMania. Now, um, one thing I wanted to mention that that came to my mind while you were bringing up Bailey, though, um, they could have had like a like faux um, four horsewomen versus the NXT um, girls for like like a second there if that was the final four with bailey charlotte and it doesn't even have to be like the four horsemen they could just play off the whole old guard versus like the new guard type deal so mm. um but yeah no no we'll see we'll see where it goes i i'm guessing there's going to be an eventual like charlotte heel turn here though <laughs> so after this whole debacle with lacey evans is over with uh, up next, we had Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens in a last man standing match for the WWE Universal Championship. Roman Reigns retaining. So I thought this was a great match. I th- thought both guys worked really hard. Kevin Owens <laughs> put his fucking body on the line for this match. And then unfortunately, it gets a little spoiled because of the botch finish. Uh, the ref had to stop counting because 
you know, they, I, I guess for some reason they decided to go with real handcuffs and Heyman couldn't get them off. I guess the keyhole was on the wrong side is what happens. Ah. So um, the ref kind of panicked and yeah, he just stopped counting. Now I'll be honest. I didn't notice it because at that point when the handcuffs came out, I was just like, okay, well this match is over. You know, once we got to that point, I was like, okay, I kind of just stopped paying attention. You know, it wasn't until after the fact that everyone was saying, oh, it ruined the match, whatever, that I was like, okay, I went back and I watched it. Now, I don't think it ruined the match. You know, I, I it is what it is. It's a botched finish, but mm-hmm. the match itself was fantastic. Like, I mean, Kevin Owens does not get enough fucking credit for what he does for this company. I mean, he really is, you know, the low-key MVP. Like, every time he's out there and he's in a program like this, he just puts it like all on the fucking line and does whatever he can to get that program over. Like he's your five tool player of the WWE because he can do it all. I agree with you. I don't think that moment necessarily ruined the match for me. I did notice it right away uh, when I heard the ref count to five and then out of nowhere, everyone was quiet. Even the announced team was like a a little bit like, Oh, what do we say? Like not knowing what to do. I was both in laundry. So <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't really paying attention. I'll be honest, because like, wait, like it's like, oh, fucking handcuffs! Jesus Christ! It is what it is. I didn't. I didn't think Kevin was gonna win the match, but I was expecting uh, maybe a little more, you know. But I've got to say, this was probably one of the best like last man standing matches I've seen in a long fucking time. Because I usually hate that fucking gimmick match. You know, there's a uh-huh. lot of just standing around with the referee counting to ten. They had such a great tempo to the match. You know, it was. I mean. It was fucking high paced. Um, you know, both guys have a great motor and they just kept the thing flowing. No, man. I mean, if you compare this to last year with uh, Edge oh, and Orion, I mean, this was just a hundred times better. And I appreciated that they put in the effort. Yeah, I think that so. was the last last man standing match that we've seen right in the WWE. Yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's probably by design because that was a stinker. <laughs> <laughs> So, and this was 24 minutes. I mean, I met, fucking Edge and Order went like 40 minutes. Yes, and it was it was too much. <laughs> well, and you didn't have any of the like major spots that they had in this match. This match was so well laid out that they kept it entertaining mm. and like moving the entire time. So, and that's a real testament to, you know, Roman and Kevin. Well, um, speaking of Edge and Orton, uh, we had the 30-man Royal Rumble match where Edge is now on his way to Mania as the winner of this year's Royal Rumble. I liked the fact that they had Edge and Orton start off the match. Um, I thought that was a nice touch. Um, You know, just kind of get it out of the way right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't necessarily like the injury angle that they did with Orton. I thought it was too transparent. I knew right away what they were going to do. I'm glad, though, you know, and maybe part of it was trying to subvert our expectations where, you know, it's like, oh, God, Randy's going to end up fucking winning this match, you know, <laughs> coming out and throwing Edge out last minute. I mean, we we got that moment, but Edge was able to overcome at least. This was a really well laid out match. Um, you know, everything had a rhythm to it. Um, I thought they had some nice surprises. I was totally fucking marking out for Christian's return. Um, I, I think it fucking <laughs> sucks that he couldn't do it in front of a crowd, though. Um, I think that would have been a big moment. I was excited to see fucking Carlito come back. Um, he's yes, Jacked. right? 
It's like, what's in those apples, Carlito? What's going on, man? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I thought that was cool because he was actually teased for like one of the raw reunions or whatever the hell they call it nowadays. Yes. Um, But he never showed up. Like he was on the commercial. He was on Twitter. Like, what the hell? Like he I guess they didn't clue him in or maybe they decided to pull him last minute. Like maybe they saw the condition he was in. And Vince, of course, being Vince, loving the big guys, you know, was like, no, we're signing you right here, buddy. I, <laughs> and lo and behold, you know, it seems like he's working with them again. So he was on Raw. Oh, okay. He teamed up with Jeff Hardy. Oh. So, and they got the win. So we'll see if, you know, we're going to get Carlito now. I mean, they, that's how they brought MVP back last year. Exactly. <laughs> it is what it is. Like, is my childhood all over again? Like, what's happening? Pretty much. <laughs> They're running, they don't know how to make stars, is what's happening, Christian. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're just relying on the past. Um, but uh, what were your thoughts about the? I mean, my wrestler of the entire night was Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't know if I don't know if you need to go back and rewatch this Royal Rumble, but he was just beating the hell out of people in all the corners. It's like you could. I, there was moments, yeah, where he did get to take a break, but I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> like, there's a definitely. A, there was a moment where like the uh, the camera was trying to get the people in the middle, and it was one the guys standing by the corners. And all you can hear is just Nakamura going ah! <laughs> on some guy, poor guy in the corner. That's he's not even on camera, and he almost kicks really? the camera in the I, process. I was like, "What?" I didn't notice that at all. <laughs> now Nakamura is pretty much a babyface now. Um, he did uh, in an interview uh-huh. saying that the old Nakamura is back. You notice he came out to the old music and everything. I think he actually said yes. Strong Style's mm. back, so maybe that had something to do with it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's great. Uh, hopefully we get more of that, like, motivated Nakamura again. So, because uh. it feels like he's <laughs> just been kind of coasting over the last couple of years. Um, which I, I totally understand, like, you know, with the way that they, you know, pushed him and booked him. I mean, it's, it would be hard to stay motivated. <laughs> um I love yes. Daniel Bryan in this match. It felt like he decided that he was going to try to get everyone who's not getting a push over in this match. <laughs> he just like sat there and he decided, okay, I want a moment with you, Ricochet. I want a moment with you, Riddle. Like he was just trying to like pick and choose people to like, you know, highlight in the match. So um, I thought that was great. Um, and it seems to be really what like the MO for his, you know, last run is going to be like getting people over, at least in the WWE. I'm still hoping that he ends up somewhere else after, you know, his contract runs out. We'll see. Um, I love to see him in New Japan, but I mean, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I just like because he had a great moment with uh, Cesaro. He had a moment with uh, Ricochet. Who else did he go? The, the fucking sequence he had with Riddle was amazing. Like, he had a great sequence with Riddle. So much so that they even brought it up on Raw, and then they went ahead and just humiliated fucking Riddle in the ring again. Oh, <laughs> great. Uh, but yeah, no, someone needs to give Daniel Bryan the keys to the castle, because he knows how to get fucking talent over. So, mm. uh, but yeah, no, I thought that was great. Um, Bobby Lashley looked like a, a real genuine threat in this match. You know, as you've, as you've been talking about, I mean, he's... Pretty much looking like he could be another big main eventer. Oh, this, this is Lashley like in another gear now, you know. So mm. I, to me, it did feel like they might be grooming him, you know, for the main event picture. Um, they've been really protecting him over the past, you know, year. So I wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, but we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Uh, 
yeah, no, but overall, I thought it was a great match and everything. Um, I'm glad that, you know, Orton didn't end up winning the fucking thing. Uh, no Bray. That was the big prediction that yeah. you know, Bray was going to come out and, you know, interfere somehow, or, you know, cost, you know, Orton the match or even be part of the Rumble. But that was not the case at all. I thought at least at bare minimum, even in the women's Royal Rumble, like Bliss would have had like a, a bigger moment, at least or like tried to clear out the ring a little bit, got at least one elimination. But she was just kicked out. I mean, yeah, it was so, by uh, Rhea. Do you think that is going to end up being something? It could be. I could totally see that being a mania story. Do, do I want that this year? No. Maybe I could see that being more of a SummerSlam thing later yeah, on. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not thrilled mm-hmm. with the way they're booking her. Like I don't I don't uh, mind a little magic here and there, you know, with that angle and everything. But like I don't want it in the match itself. You know, I don't need her <laughs> transforming throughout the match. And that, that happened again against Nikki Cross this week on Raw. So I want them to dial that back a little, especially since I don't even, I don't know. The transformations are less than impressive. So I, I don't know. I, but anyway, let's talk about the men's Royal Rumble. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was really excited though, to see Edge win. Thought it was a great story. Um, I wish the buildup was a little more. He just kind of showed up on Raw the, the week before <laughs> and said he was entering the, you know, Rumble. Mm. But like, once I saw that, I was like, okay, he's probably going to win it. Even though I was really going with Daniel Bryan at first, um, it only makes sense for his story now. So, I think the only thing that really disappointed me about the men's Royal Rumble was I was expecting a lot more from Big E this year. Um, you know, I thought, especially with Kofi out, maybe they would save a big spot for Big E to like save himself or something. But, I mean, he was there. He, he got some eliminations, but I, I guess I just expected a little bit more. Yeah, I think he's in that upper mid-card, you know, scene right now. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to let him have a run with that IC belt. Um, and eventually, hopefully by next year, you'll see him elevated to, you know, the main, you know, event scene. Um, I'm okay with them not giving him too much too soon since he just started this solo run. Um you know, yeah. so because I, I don't I don't feel like a main event at WrestleMania would be in the cards right now anyway. So but you, well, no, <laughs> I mean, I guess they could have given him more of a few more moments, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I think this was a great rumble in general. The entire pay-per-view, um, you know, it, it impressed me. There wasn't a match that I didn't really like. You know, I can't say it was something I was super upset with with this. Um, you know, besides pay-per-view. truth, getting two segments and that like 25 minute fucking intermission. I think this is a great fucking rumble, honestly. I think it's one of the best, like, overall rumble cards we've had in, like, you know, the past, like, four or five years. Well, all right, Dim. If you had to give it a star rating, what would you give it? I'm going to give it four and a half stars. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to sit on a four for right now. Fair enough. All right. And, well, that does it for this week. Um, okay. We're recording this on Wednesday, and um, Edge did show up on NXT. And kind of, I don't know, hinted that he might be interested in going against, uh, you know, whoever the champion is after uh, the next takeover. Um, I feel like that's a long shot, though. I feel like you might see Edge Hmm. make an appearance here or there on NXT, though, because he is invested in, you know, the NXT brand and everything. And he's done a lot of training with those guys over the last couple of years. And it's like taught a few classes and, you, you know, Beth is over there. Uh, but I feel like 
we're probably going to see Edge versus Roman. Yeah, I mean, Spear versus Spear just kind of makes sense. Yeah, in my mind, I guess. I mean, it's a stupid reason to (laughs) (laughs) book a program just because they have the same, you know, move that I don't even feel like is really Roman finisher. But (laughs) (laughs) that's how they'll book it, though. They'll they'll be like, oh, it's the dream match. It's Spear versus Spear. That's exactly what they did with like Goldberg at one point, right? Because Goldberg's one dimensional. But anyway, yes, Uh (laughs) I I know what you're saying. Um, But yeah, no, I feel like just because I don't think they're going to turn, you know, Drew heel, and I don't think they're going to turn Edge heel. It makes more sense for Edge to go after Roman. But I mean, who knows? Maybe you do have Edge go after the NXT title at you know Mania. Maybe you get Edge versus Balor. Or I guess yeah, I he also that. ran into Karrion Cross. Yes, they ran into each other in the parking lot, and Karrion Cross was very much like, "Don't worry about those two. It would be me <laughs> that you would be fighting." Yeah, which he might be right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but I I don't know. It, it's interesting. I, I'll be curious to see how it plays out. All right, so that does it for this week. Um, like I said, we're recording this on Wednesday, so we haven't talked AEW for a while, so we'll be back next week, and we'll cover all the fucking chaos that's happening over there. From what I'm seeing, uh, from highlights tonight, there's some interesting shit going on. Let's just say Don Callis is a mastermind, apparently. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Well, that does it for this week. That's right, and as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, David, what are we talking about next week? Well, Christian, I know you're not a huge sports fan, but this weekend is the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl means film trailers. So hopefully we'll be reacting (laughs) to some major, major new upcoming film trailers that we can really take a deep dive on. I'm hoping some Marvel, maybe, I don't know, Matrix one. Yeah, I'm really hoping that the MCU or, you know, DC has something up their sleeves for us. Um, I'm hoping I'm not just hyping myself up for nothing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because that's always a possibility. Uh, What's funny is, like, I would actually have Super Bowl parties just to watch the trailers with my friends. We wouldn't watch the actual game. We would just eat food and watch the commercials. I think a lot of people do that, actually. I know. It's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) All right. And we'll also be reviewing the film A Nightmare Waves. Yes. And a whole lot more, as always. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that is The Amazing Nerd Show. I could squash you like a bug right now.